0: today's podcast of the BGSM. My name is Babette Pleim. I'm deputy editor of the BGSM. I'm here with Dr. Gino Kerkovs, who is a professor of orthopedics at the Faculty of Medicine of the University of Amsterdam. Welcome, Gino.
1: Hello, Babette. Hi. Pleased to be here.
0: Gino has a special emphasis on sports traumatology, especially of ankle and muscle injuries and stress fracture. He aims to develop a center of expertise for the advancement of care for injured athlete with integrated diagnostics, customized treatment, and monitoring of treatment results in Amsterdam. His research focus is mainly on the treatment of osteochondral defects, optimalization of diagnosis and treatment of ankle, knee, and sports injuries, teaching methods for arthroscopy techniques, and evidence-based medicine. You have studied the athlete's ankle, ankle sprains, and osteochondral lesions for quite a long time at the Academic Medical Center with Professor van Dijk, who is famous for its expertise on ankle injuries. Can you tell us what your main findings are?
1: Uh, I think we'll focus on uh, ankle impingement and some on the ligament injuries and some on the osteocondal defects as well. Because there are many injuries in the ankle. I think you have uh, the simplest form is the impingement because there's just something there that impinges in the joint. So it's a very simple uh, very clinical diagnosis. You can have the soft tissue impingement or the bony impingement. I think the main point is to make the right diagnosis and to make sure that the patient can't really damage the joint by having this impingement complaint and see at what point in time as a sports medicine physician you should give an extra treatment like an injection or refer to an arthropod to make a surgery so you have some decision points there. They are about the same for soft tissue and bony impingement. I would say soft tissue impingement, you can do an operation at any time, at the moment that the athlete cannot perform any longer and that you ran out of uh, conservative options. And that could go from one month to 10 years because at no real point, you have some different types of soft tissue impingement. None of these can really damage the cartilage of the joint in such a degree that you're going to get worried about that. Then you have the bony impingement. Both impingement go for the anterior and posterior side. Bony impingement is a little bit different because if certain osteophytes or certain loose bodies that are catched in the anterior or posterior capsula can cause damage to the cartilage of the talus with motion and plantar flexion and weight-bearing plantar flexion like in jumping and push off and landing you can have this impingement of bony piece. it's like a a little cobblestone that is impinging in the joint that gives a lot of damage so i would be a little bit more aggressive there because there's a real biomechanical cause of the impingement and taking away this uh, cobblestone is a very logical thing to do so it would be some, uh, somewhat more aggressive with a symptomatic bony impingement there. I think that all the literature states, and uh, you'll find that level of evidence of this literature is quite low because there are only some retrospective and prospective uh, patient series. No RCT comparing uh, conservative versus opposite treatment for soft tissue impingement, for example. Then you find patient series and it's eminence-based medicine of the last 20 years, so I think there's a whole field in front of us there to do some decent research to see if indeed we are right with all these uh, uh, evidence-based statements that I make now. Well, and, uh, yeah. and,
0: in, and in what type of athletes do you see this impingement?
1: The impingement ankle is a footballer's ankle mm-hmm. for, uh, originally, but then you see uh, impingement uh, on the anterior side is, is a footballer's ankle. And then posterior impingement is a dancer's heel, a dancer's ankle. You can see it a lot in football players as well, but also in basketball, volleyball. And sometimes you see it in a tennis player as well, mm-hmm. but occasionally in all sports. Um, I think if you, it's a good question because it's, it's quite interesting because you tend to see that in some sports it's more frequent than in others, for example, in football. And that could be because it's, it's a sign of. Um, repetitive strain injuries on the anterior cartilage and that uh, puts the cartilage and the, the subchondral bone into making these osteophytes that cause the impingement in the end, and the breaking of the osteophyte causes the loose body and gives the bone the impingement again. And it's also a sign of uh, great bone osteoarthritis, mm-hmm. a uh, deterioration of the cartilage of the joint And you could also say that there's a certain amount of instability and the osteophyte forms to make the joint more stable, especially in the ankle joint. By taking it away, you make it less stable. But symptomatically, you do a good job for the athlete. I know if you focus on the ligament injuries, I think you should just read the articles in the (laughs) BGSO on the guidelines.
0: We will place a link with the podcast.
1: (laughs) That would be good. But I think the main thing is, that, uh, and maybe we'll come back to that later, but uh, you can choose any treatment you want at any time you want, I would say. You can go for functional and you can go for operative. Both can be very well defended. If you look at the literature, then there are about 28 or 29 RCTs uh, comparing uh, treatments of lateral ankle ligament injuries and if you uh, look at the highest level of these RCTs then you could find that there's no definite evidence to go left or right. Sometimes I say, okay, you have white wine to go with the oysters and red wine to go with the meat and at a certain point you eat the oyster so you want the white wine being the functional treatment and the other you go with the red wine eating the meat. What I mean is that if you look at the literature carefully then you could say, oh, but let's look at these six RCTs that have a single surgeon series compared to functional treatment. Then you will find that uh, if you compare surgery by an expert surgeon in a single surgeon series, then results are much better than functional treatment in all but stiffness of the ankle joint. So you would say, okay, go for surgical treatment. Then in everyday life, with these 130,000 uh, lateral ankle ligaments every year in the Netherlands and probably 500,000 in the UK, um, this is not the, the way it's going to be and it's also not uh, the expert surgeon that's going to be available every for every uh, patient. So you forget about that and also if you look at these six RCTs then you see five of them are before 1990 and have Enormous flaws in their setup. Mm-hmm. So then at one point in the discussion, you could say, okay Go for the single surgeon series and then the other point you say, well, if you look at these RCTs They're not that good quality. So you come back to the functional treatment again. You can twist the wheel at any point in time I I think it's important to know about the evidence. So if the single athlete comes to you, you can Discuss what at that point in time is the best normally I say if you have the time to have a very good rehab and you had uh, ankle uh, injuries before With the chronic instability then I did did this is a good point in time If you have the time to do the rehab then do the operation and it'll be better um, If there's only two or three weeks uh, before the Olympic final Then I wouldn't go in to do the surgery if you have very aggressive colleagues they say well, but uh you have a ligament, it's torn, and with the surgery you uh, make it stick together again. So you have 10 days for wound healing and then you can uh, easily go back to move very much more aggressive rehab. I don't really agree with that. I can see the point that they're making, but I would say two or three weeks before the Olympic final, you just stick to the functional option you have there. So,
0: so what would you recommend? What would your main recommendation for a sports physician be who sees a high high performance athlete with an ankle injury?
1: Um, for a a, a single uh, lateral ankle ligament injury, mm-hmm. you mean? Yes. Then I would say, okay, if there's no medial complaints and there's no cartilage damage and there's no reason whatsoever to think about a high sprain or a syndesmotic injury to do a scope for that, then I would stick to functional treatment. If there's any of these other diagnoses that you think of, then you could be more aggressive. If you think of a syndesmotic injury, then I would be more aggressive to do uh, uh, in an high-end athlete. I would be more aggressive to do an anterior ankle arthroscopy to check the synosmotic instability, check for impingement in the syndesmosis that can give repetitive impingement complaints on the anterolateral side, and maybe. Uh, discuss to do uh, tightrope fixation for example, that's a little r- less rigid fixation as we were used to with the screws but could allow a more aggressive rehab. It's debatable.
0: Okay.
1: I'm not so aggressive yeah. as you go.
0: Know. Okay, yeah. Okay. And you said that there was a third and, ankle injury?
1: Yeah, I would say then if, if you if you group them then maybe go for a defect as being uh, and a very important uh, diagnosis that's often missed in the acute phase because in every inversion injury you have this impact of the anteromedial talus in the anterolateral tib- tibial dome you know? so you have these, uh, these cartilage defects that could be a small fracture could be even a little bit bigger fracture that is missed in the initial phase because of the uh, Auto-ankle rules, not, uh, the x-ray is not taken because it's not really necessary. Patients don't, don't really recognize the deep ankle pain at some point and then after 6 months or 12 months, complaints are still there. Ankle shows a little bit of uh, swelling, it's a bit warmer, you have this anterior synovitis of the anterior capsule and there's a deep ankle pain um, on weight-bearing, especially on, uh, on impact weight-bearing that should uh, bring your focus to a is am I sure that there's not a cartilage problem there and if it develops and keeps developing then uh, there could be uh, a problem um, not only involving the cartilage but also the subcondal bone and then you have this subcondal fracture that uh, keeps developing maybe into a cyst and you have complaints that don't uh, resolve by, by themselves Um, So these things are important to uh, maybe uh, do a very early diagnosis. If you see a subcondal fracture with a little lift of the cartilage, you should even uh, consider fixing that arthroscopically straight away. So I think in the future, we would be very much more aggressive in the acute phase with an early diagnosis, maybe with ultrasound, and fixing. um, And then I'm looking into the future with a small glue the cartilage. So, uh, an osteocondal defect does not develop at all. And if you would have 50% of that, then you would see 50% less of these early post-traumatic osteoarthritic ankles that need a fusion uh, when, uh, in athletes that when they're 40. You know? That's what we saw very often in, in football players, that by the time that they become a coach, when they're 40 or 45, they need a fusion of their ankle and some of them even before and it all started with a circundal defect and if it it develops and it's quite big and you didn't treat it then uh, yeah there's no real treatment option instead of you could do a cocaine osteotomy but it's all symptomatic and the real definite solution would then be in the end the fusion so if you go back to the beginning as seeing the inversion injury as the mother of all evil for the ankle, then uh, you, you can develop an impingement, you have the ligament injuries, but you also have these osteochondral defects.
0: And you mentioned osteochondral defects, ultrasound? Or would you ultrasound prefer? ultrasound
1: to detect is, I think, uh, a little bit modern, uh, but uh, some studies have proven that at least 75 to 80% of the talar dome in an ankle that shows a fair amount of plantar flexion can be visualized.
0: Do you use it yourself in the academic medical center?
1: Uh, we use it, but okay. the radiologists use it.
0: But that would not be the standard diagnosis, right? You would use an x-ray or a CT scan? or I think
1: on the x-ray, you could rule out that there are uh, fractures and that there's a very strange uh, bony configuration, but not much more. Mm-hmm. The uh, suspicion of a possible osteoclonal defect could rise after uh, an x-ray especially uh, an AP view with a heel rise but we don't really use it anymore to mm-hmm. be honest it's very academic mm-hmm. because we always want the CT scan then and that thing and then it's another discussion you want a CT scan or an MRI scan I think for the simple orthopedic surgeon uh, CT scan is easier to understand
0: so let's uh, stick to the foot you also okay. have the uh, interest in uh, stress fractures, yeah. especially the metatarsal uh, 5 fractures. What are your main findings in this area?
1: Okay, uh, so stress fractures is uh, also a very interesting field to investigate because it's, uh, it's like a black box a little bit. And we didn't get to the, uh, the button that showed us the secret. So I don't really know about these uh, stress fractures. What I do know is that uh, they tend to have a very slow uh, healing tendency as uh, both in a very long uh, union time, as in a higher frequency of of non-unions in the end, if you look at them after one year. So uh, we tend to have a very aggressive approach in the stress fractures to give uh, maximum vascularization and maximum compression. If you look at it as as a basic thing, uh, it is a fracture. So what it needs is uh, stability and vascularity. So you give the stability maximally with a big compression the biggest compression you can get and uh, you preserve uh, vascularity. So we do a good decortication, take away the pieces of bone that don't really show vascularity in them and then we put some uh, cancellous bone as well. So we have the maximum of biology there as we think it is. We're currently investigating uh, in a trial the effect of uh, bone marrow cells to put that in the, court, in the zone of dedecortication to see if that adds some uh, biological effect to the, to the healing and could reduce the time to the union for about one or two weeks. That would be the, the hypothesis is that you go back from 10 weeks after operative treatment of the MT5 fracture to eight weeks, which would be a, a good win, but we're not sure. Because all of a sudden they seem very seldom, these MT5 <laughs> <that's> <laughs> stress structures, we saw them about once a month at least in the clinic, yeah. but since we started the trial, I've seen only one. So it's four months ago, so we'll see how, uh, how it goes.
0: How interesting. Yeah, because I was reading in the studies um, from, from Ekstrand, from the UEFA yeah. studies, that they saw them a lot in the young uh, football players, the and especially in the first three, four months. Do you think people are more aware now of the, the metatarsal five stress factor? Yeah,
1: I think it's a, it's a very good question. Um, I think we, uh, together with uh, Simon Goederbeur, we looked at uh, MTF stress fractures in the Premier and First League in, in the Netherlands mm-hmm. uh, two and three years ago. We came uh, up with about the same uh, numbers as uh, Jan Ekstrom did. The analysis from both studies does not really allow firm conclusions. But what I do think is that the shoe type it doesn't really come out. But in, in, the, in the evidence base, it's always that there's the new shoe type with the new uh, buttons under the shoes. The, the sole of
0: the shoe?
1: Yeah, the sole of the shoe. But then mm-hmm. in, in football players, they have these uh, blades mm-hmm. and, and you have triangular blades and you have uh, straight blades instead of the round blades that we always had. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tendency is that you have the, the blade exactly on the base of the metatarsal 5. So making that a liver arm for these uh, forces. And then if the uh, there's a the foot tie of a slight cap and the turf that they're playing on is tougher because uh, there's a lot of uh, these uh, newer turfs that are being played on, makes a, a combination that at a certain point in time, the frequency of the MG5 stress fractures was much higher, as you could see, and would take the players uh, out of competition for quite a long time.
0: Have they changed the shoe now that they have the blades in a different place? I, I think.
1: think uh, what we do is we have such, uh, I ask the players to come in to take the shoes, Normally a few shoe types coming in, and then uh, there's this recognition from, oh yeah, since I wear these shoes, you have, I've started to have complaints, and then you just switch uh, the market shoes. You know, okay. Just go yeah. to another company. Just and, a different uh, brand. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if they do it, they just, uh, first they blacken it, and then they put the other brand on. So. That's, that's how it goes in practice, I think. Uh, the other thing I wanted to emphasize is that indeed, I think, and this is how your question started, there's a bigger awareness among sports medicine physicians and team doctors. So then you can play with this thing that you notice, hey, there's uh, recognizable palpation pain on the base of M 5 and the a various foot, and he's played a little bit uh, more and uh, the calf muscles are a little bit less so it's probably uh, a stress reaction in uh, mt5 in the bone so on mri you would see some whitening but not uh, a stress fracture line and then you're in time so mm-hmm. you recognize it and you can do your job there in preventing the real fracture to happen so you could take the player back a little bit Or you could emphasize, okay, play as much as you want uh, until it breaks. You only need to be aggressive if there's a real uh, stress fracture with a big fracture line on a a normal radiograph with a little bit of uh, diastasis in in the fracture, then it won't really heal. Even then you have the time to wait a little bit mm-hmm. if, the, if the player can play with the pain. Mm-hmm.
0: But normally when you see that there's a stress factor developing, you would say reduce your load.
1: Yeah, reduce the load yeah. and uh, change shoes. And uh, Normally yeah. it will be more blades. And uh, knowing as a former player I would say that it's not really cool to play with 22 blades <laughs> on, in, your, in your soul, but much cooler to, be, to have six or eight. Uh, so you should be a little bit less cool. In the, yeah, uh, and have more later.
0: Yeah, it. Okay. Fashion. Well, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. This was uh, very enlightening, and I'll start reading the literature now.
1: <laughs> I know you. You always uh, check your literature. <laughs> Cheers. Thank, thank you, you very much, Beth.